0: would you rather be? I'm Paul Clifford, CEO of the Penn State Alumni Association. Welcome to the people of Penn State. Each week on the podcast, you can expect to hear the voices of Penn Staters talking about what they're passionate about, and you can expect to feel the pride and the power of the Penn State network. The people of Penn State podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app of choice. Subscribe, Give us ratings. It's those ratings and reviews that help others find these great Penn State stories. And today's story, we're going to pass on some good vibes to everybody here listening on the People of Penn State podcast. Uh, we are talking with private coach, media, meditation instructor, and bioresonance therapist, Nick Gansitano. Uh, he is a sports and exercise science biomechanics graduate from the Pennsylvania State University where he was also the place kicker on the 1982 National Championship team. He is also Penn State's all-time most accurate place kicker. He briefly played in the NFL for the Detroit Lions before an injury, redirected him to the business world at A.L. Williams, where he led a high-performing sales team as the regional vice president and a public speaker. Nick went on to teach physics, anatomy, and physiology, honors, and biology, while privately developing 55 collegiate place kickers, including 13 All-Americans and three professionals. He later left the public schools to focus on concentrated spiritual pursuit through meditation and the inner journey of self-realization. Therefore, thereafter, he became the director of the Self-Inquiry Center for Conscious Living where he disseminates the teachings of awakening through self-inquiry and the athlete's capacity to get into the zone instantly using visualization and imagery and establish player coherence and resonance for achieving team unification. Nick is a public speaker on the topics of his books, The Awakened Athlete, and Be Still and Know I Am God, a number one bestseller and in international book, award finalist. His office is located right here in Happy Valley in downtown State College, and it's under the name of Good Vibrations. Please welcome Nick Gansatano to the people of Penn State. Nick, how are you? Great, Paul. How are you? I'm fantastic. I'm, I'm ready to dive into um, all that you're doing professionally. I want to hear about what it was like uh, when you were a Penn State Nittany Lion winning national championships. But let's start right at the very beginning. How did you become a Penn State Nittany Lion?
1: Well, I, I grew up in Florida, South Florida. And of course, I, I really wasn't that familiar with Penn State. So um, it it turned out that we were playing against a team in South Florida that had a place kicker that was a preseason All-American. And he was uh, highly uh, pursued by most colleges. So we were at a jamboree where we played their team and everyone came to see him. And in that game, he missed a field goal and an extra point. And as it just, as it turned out, I ended up hitting a 54 a yarder and um, a 40 yarder and, and made all my kicks. And so all the scouts kind of came up to me after the game. And one of them was Penn state. And so he said, are you interested in Penn State? And I said, yeah, sure. And so
0: he he contacted me after that. That's excellent. So you come to Penn State. Uh, talk about some of your memories of uh, playing on the gridiron for the Nittany Lions and for Coach Joe Paterno.
1: Well, I'd say probably the most exciting was the 1982 season when we won the national championship. In the early part of the season, I had an injured leg. And so I missed the first three, uh, three or four games. And so I came in after that and we ended up playing Notre Dame, Pitt and Georgia for the national championship in the last three games. So I would say that the, the exciting part of that was, was going to South Bend and beating them in what was extremely cold, wet, Weather conditions and uh, kicking uh, in in the what basically was the mud and the, uh, the icy ground, and then and then playing pit uh, in order to go to the national championship because we only had one loss that season, and so if we beat them, we would have been we played Georgia, so that was uh, and I had an opportunity to kick a lot of field goals in that game because the weather conditions were were so terrible. That uh, it was it made it very difficult for everyone, uh, including the kickers. But but I, I think people had a difficult time holding onto the ball and and uh,
0: catching the ball and that type of thing. So, I'm not mistaken. That was a 1910 victory over the Pitt Panthers. I think you had four field goals and an extra point.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was uh, an, an exciting game for me. You had to be player of the game that day, right? I don't I don't remember. I don't ever remember. Uh, I think I might have gotten the game ball or the special teams ball or something like that back
0: then. But yeah, yeah. Um, As a student, what else were you involved in? I know the life of a student athlete really limits the time that you have to spend in other activities on campus, but were there other activities that you um, were particularly interested in?
1: Yeah, I was really fascinated with the subject of biomechanics. It was taught by a Richard Nelson or RC Nelson and uh, exercise physiology by Carl G. Stardefalk, who were the, they were the, the major professors in, in the college. And I fell in love with it. I started out in aerospace engineering, but after I took a class in the biomechanics, I immediately shifted over into that, which helped with field goal kicking tremendously, the biomechanics aspect of it. And then Joe Paterno. Recommended that I take a meditation class so that I wouldn't choke under pressure. <laughs> so I wouldn't. And so I heard men um, uh, a couple of kickers, I, I think before me, that I uh, had taken this uh, particular class and it helped him tremendously. So I took that class and, and it helped me, uh, and, and ultimately paved the way for my, my profession, my career and what I, what I now do and the way that I, I, um, I work. So.
0: Yeah. Some of the uh, when we talk to former Penn State football players, they rarely talk about memories on the gridiron. They talk about um, relationships uh, and and their teammates and how they've stayed in touch over the year. I would imagine you, you living in State College has kept you connected to a lot of your teammates. Paul, it's really
1: improved my uh, relationships with the guys from the team, particularly in the uh, 1982 uh, championship reunion, because I lived in Florida for so long and I traveled abroad. I lived in India for a while. I lived in Costa Rica and I lived around the world. I didn't come back much to state college because I was in a kind of a spiritual pursuit where I wasn't here very much. But when I did come back here, move back here, My wife and I made friends with, um, with several of the, of the players, some of the guys from the 79 team as well. Uh, you may have heard of Bernie Shively and, and some, and, uh, some, some of these guys who were on that team. And so we've become friends with them and gotten to know them. And we've made a lot of friends just here in, in the area. But as a, as a player, when I was on the team, I really didn't socialize very much with the players. The place kicker, I don't know if it was me. Or if it was because I was, you know, field goal kickers are usually considered a little bit eccentric, a little bit out there, which I I have to confess to, um, kind of isolated and and reclusive in, in many regards. I had my own, my own apart, my own uh, uh, dormitory room. So I spent most of my time in there meditating and, um, and, and that kind of thing. So I didn't really socialize very much and I didn't go out very much. I didn't belong to any fraternities or I didn't usually go to parties. I didn't drink. I didn't uh, do any drugs or anything like that. So I didn't really uh, socialize very much. Uh, and so I was never really invited anywhere to to parties and that kind of thing. But once my junior year at, toward the end of my junior year, I started to get closer with the players and uh, guys like um, Doug Strang, a real, uh, nice guy really got along with him and and some of the other um, guys who were who were from my class um, that uh, um, you know and then of course there was uh, mike stillman and and those guys who i got along and of course ralph giacomero was easy to get along with he was there during my my sophomore year and freshman sophomore year and he was a great guy and we, we're friends now we keep in touch
0: hear from Penn State faculty experts, connect with fellow alumni, learn a new tip, make a new connection and more with the Penn State Alumni Association's virtual events hub. PSAA presents. PSAA presents offers real-world advice that alumni and friends can use in both their personal and professional lives. Just visit alumni.psu.edu/psaa presents. To sign up for an event that piques your interest. You you leave Penn State and you have a crack at, at the NFL. Talk about what that experience was like um, and kind of deal with the Detroit Lions.
1: Yeah, it was it was very short-lived. I, I ended up being offered. A, a position with the Dallas Cowboys, which I, I could have taken, but I, I I didn't take that position. It was, um, and I ended up going with Detroit. Went there to camp, and while I was there, they had a, a place kicker named Eddie Murray, who was very established, very a good place kicker, very consistent. And while we were there, they didn't want him kicking very much, and I think. As an amateur, you know, you could call me a booger because I, I, I didn't really know how much kicking they were going to have me doing. And really within a, within a couple of weeks, I kicked so many balls that my leg was just exhausted. And so I didn't, um, I injured my leg there. And I, so I pretty much was hobbling through the last week before they ended up having their release date and, and let the, um, the other the players go who were not gonna be on their final roster. And that was it. And then I, I was prepared for uh Green Bay. I went up to Green Bay and I kicked for the Green Bay Packers. Um and there was a the guy who brought me in was his name was Bert Gustafson. He was the personnel director and so I had a, a, a really good tryout there and um and I made all my all my field goals. Uh, I think it was uh, forty four in a row or whatever and um and then about a week before i was supposed to report to camp i ended up tearing my acl I, I slipped in the grass and and so i what what ended up happening ultimately is i began to look at the the way things were playing out and i kind of had a the attitude that whatever happens is exactly what's supposed to happen and that that was Obviously, not my my destiny. It wasn't my the trajectory that I was supposed to go on. And I ended up going into coaching place kickers instead, which I fell in love with immediately. Once I got, I was in. in I was a financial planner for a while, but I ended up going into uh, working with kickers, which I eventually pushed the financial planning aside and went into teaching and coaching, so I could so I could do that.
0: Excellent. Now, for our listeners who aren't aware, Eddie Murray is one of the all time NFL great kickers, Uh, 20 year, 20 year career. I think he played something like 200 plus games. And so um, and so you were you were behind like one of the one of the all time greats.
1: Yeah, they they told me that I wasn't going to that I wasn't going to make the squad, but not until after I had already signed with them. (laughs) <laughs> and and uh, they so they basically wanted somebody to to take the kick so Eddie could rest his leg he was he he had many years I think he had probably close to 15 or 20 years in the league already and he was getting up there in age and so they wanted to save his legs so they made me do all the kickoffs all the the grunt work that they usually do with the, you know with the rookies and stuff that let him do a kind of carry the bags and you know all the kind of things that kickers you know that they, they did so yeah but you know he was a great guy and and um and I learned a lot about the league. It I wasn't it wasn't an environment, I realized, after a while. It wasn't like college, the environment in college at Penn State. I guess I got spoiled because it was kind of a family feeling there. It was very warm. The guys were, were friendly and toward one another. Uh, when I was there, it, it was a little bit more isolated. There were cliques where the players kind of got together and they stuck together. And so as a field goal kicker, I was just off to the side, you know, and, um, and I just basically meditated most of the time on my own and didn't really get involved with any, anything social
0: for sure. Yeah. You go from, um, on an NFL roster to a regional vice president in the financial services area to a school teacher, to ultimately a teacher for enlightenment. Uh, but, but talk about that, that journey.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, when I, when I, was up at Penn State when I first started in the meditation class. I had no idea what, what was going to happen. For the most part, my first two years, I was pretty much just chasing girls and and uh, you know trying to get acclimated to the college, uh, setting the academic academia and the level, the standard of education, which which was much more challenging than I had anticipated. And and then of course I dedicated myself to football. But in my spare time, I just basically sat in my room and meditated most of the time. And I read um, spiritual things and, and became more interested in, in that dimension, instilling my mind. And And so then when I got out of, of school, I ended up uh, going into a uh, teaching school where I was coaching and that type of thing. And I eventually once I started to meditate and get into it deeply, I started to kind of see through a lot of the things. One of the things I watched was there was a movie by Franco Zeffirelli. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It was called Jesus of Nazareth. It was my favorite movie of, about Jesus' life. And so I I would watch that for hours and hours a day every day for about six months. And I got into these very deep states of bliss and, and peace that I I really didn't want to do anything else. So I quit teaching school. And I decided to go off on a pilgrimage, kind of travel around the world and and find out, sit with different spiritual teachers and find out more. And I came across a book by Ramana Maharshi. And the the teaching was the self-inquiry. And the question basically was that, with every thought that arises, you don't really indulge in thinking because the mind becomes overly active when you feed thoughts, when you keep identifying with them. And you just ask, well, who's having the thought? And uh, the answer is I am. And then the question is, who am I, which is the primordial question for all spirituality and all. Um, and, and so I began to contemplate that for about two weeks. I did that. And then one day I went for a walk on Hollywood Beach and i took a deep breath and i exhaled after practicing this for 2 weeks and there was just an explosion in my my consciousness where i felt myself as being the entire universe i felt completely connected and at one with everything what what i later came uh to to realize was what is called enlightenment or self-realization but i had no idea what it was beforehand and so that that happened and so after that i ended up just living there pretty much like a a, a reclusive in his little studio apartment on the beach and and then students started to come to me and i ended up teaching and that's kind of how everything started i, I had no no intention of that happening it just Kind of spontaneously, you know, occurred, and then and then the the students started to attract their friends, and people started coming, and then we had started the self inquiry center, and that's kind of how it it all kind of happened. Yeah.
0: And then that led to you writing your first book, which is kind of a, a marriage between the two worlds that you were, you know, spent a lot of time in, right, as a, as an athlete, and then um, the enlightenment world. Talk about your first book, The Awakened Athlete.
1: Now, it's kind of a strange thing. My, my first book was Be Still and Know I Am God that was published, but The Awakened Athlete was actually in my midst, and actually there were notes about it, but I never converted it into a book until my wife, who is a book publisher, uh, she has a company called Citrine Publishing, and she saw one day this sheet of paper that I was supposed to give to one of the kickers that I coached, and it had a list of notes for his father to finish his coaching when I left and I moved to the forest of Costa Rica with my wife. And so I was going to leave it. Well, I didn't realize I hadn't given it to him and she found it and said, you should turn this into a book. And this is after I had already, after i had already published, be still and Know I'm God, which, which became a, a bestseller. And so she said, this needs to be a book. You need to expound upon every one of these points. And I was like, okay, okay. I, I, I had no idea you know what to do she got she basically taught me how to write um a book and she helped me to get it published and that type of thing otherwise it would it would still just be it would be in a hole somewhere in costa rica in a fire pit uh i would have thrown it away had she not recognized it and so um i've that book has basically become the the manual the user's manual for my coaching um, with the athletes that I've trained over the years and, and the ones that I'm working with now, I use that as kind of a backbone for that.
0: I understand that. So you've lived all over the world, right? You've lived in Costa Rica. You lived in, uh, you mentioned you lived in India on the West coast. You're originally from Florida, uh, but recently you moved back to state college and opened your office here. What was it about the happy Valley that brought you back?
1: <laughs>
0: we, you know,
1: we, we, um, uh my wife and I, we were living in the forest of coast of North Carolina during the whole COVID thing. And so we, we kind of got a little cabin fever. So uh, Penelope, she said, let's go to Maine. She wanted to go up to Bahaba. So we, 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 we drove up the coast and while we were going up, I said, honey, could we, let's stop off at state college. I want to, you know, you know, just check in and, you know, see it and spend a little time in happy Valley. And go to some familiar places and show you around and so we did and she really liked it. So we went up to uh, we went up to Maine and we spent about 10 days there and while we were back down she said coming back down she said let's stop by state college again and so she fell in love with it. And so she just she loved it so much and then of course I I, I love it here, you know, you don't have to twist my arm to get me to come back to Happy Valley and so so we decided to move here instead. And so, um, within a couple of months, our we were on a, on a lease uh, agreement with our landlord, where we were going month to month at that point because our our lease had already expired. And so, we within a month or two, we were in the truck, we were moving here, and now we're here. And we had we had also met. We stayed at an Airbnb. You probably know of them. Um, a guy named Chad uh, Chad um, Swire. And gotcha. Chad Swire and his wife Maya. And so we stayed at their Airbnb and we just love them. We just they were so kind. They were they treated us wonderfully. We made we were instant friends and um we became very close with them and their family. And so we we stayed with them, I don't know, several times. Uh, each time that we came back, we we spent some time with them and we just were were convinced that this this was the place for us. And so we love them and and um and we 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 become close. So that kind of was that, that was kind of the nudge that that kind of pushed us over the edge, and That's then awesome. and then we got an we opened an office here, which you know helps us to to be able to you know share the teaching of you know for the self inquiry and also offer the biomechanics um, excuse me the, the biofeedback and the biomechanics. I still work with kickers from time to time and punters. I I don't do it as much as I used to because my time is used mostly for the self-inquiry and the bioresonance, but every once in a while I'll work with a place kicker or a punter who, who shows promise or,
0: or is very interested in it. Excellent. Well, well, welcome home to Happy Valley. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we love it. We love it. This, this is the people of Penn State. I'm Paul Clifford. I'm joined by private coach and meditation instructor and bioresonance therapist, Nick Gansitano. Nick, at the end of our shows, we like to do what we call the lightning round. So I'm going to ask you a couple quick hitter questions, and you just, you just answer them however however you feel. So your favorite class at Penn State?
1: I would say sports
0: psychology or, or, bio, or phys ed for 84. Excellent. If you could have dinner with anyone, who would it be and why? Ramana Maharshi uh he was the one who developed
1: the teaching that led to my spiritual um understandings
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, how about the best place kicker you ever worked with oh blair walsh by by by
1: far he was amazing yeah he had a rough he had a rough year but uh, his last year in the nfl but he he was amazing
0: yeah how about your most unusual We Are moment? Maybe a place where someone yelled it to you because you were wearing Penn State gear or you yelled it to someone else because you noticed they were a Penn Stater. Oh, gosh. I don't, it never happened to me when I was at
1: State College, when I was going to school here. But most recently, we went to the Penn State-Iowa wrestling match this past season. And the fans were going crazy. And so that was that was an
0: exceptional yeah, taste of that. Excellent. How about your favorite Penn State sport? Wrestling. Wrestling.
1: Yeah, um, yeah.
0: I am also a wrestling fan. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And your favorite flavor of Creamery ice cream?
1: Oh my goodness. Um, well, it's got to be something with chocolate in it. I don't know the names of them. Um, there was there was one that had, uh, what was it? Oh, it was a cho- something
0: chocolate, I a chocolate. With- death, death by chocolate? <laughs> that's it, death by chocolate. That's, that's, a, that's a popular choice here. On- is it, is it, the- it okay? <laughs> so. Well, Nick, we want to thank you for joining us on the podcast and wish you continued success in all that you're doing. And uh, we're glad to have you home here in Happy Valley. Paul, thanks
1: for having me on. It was a pleasure. I enjoyed
0: talking with you. And I want to thank everybody else for tuning in to the podcast. Uh, if you like this episode, I hope that you'll subscribe to the people of Penn State in your favorite podcast app of choice. And while you're there, again, give us a rating, drop us a review, and help us spread the word to help other Penn Staters find these fantastic stories. If you're a member of the Penn State Alumni Association, thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. And if you're not a member, what are you waiting for? Go to our website at alumni.psu.edu. And you too can become a member of the world's largest alumni association. Thank you for tuning in and for all you do for the university, for the glory, and for the future. We are...